Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right. So many things are happening so quickly. We could spend hours up here talking about all the things that are happening, good, bad, and indifferent. And it would be very depressing. As a matter of fact, maybe you're dealing with some issues. Maybe you feel like overwhelmed. Maybe you're dealing with depression or anxiety, things along that line. Well, what I want to do this morning is I'm going to read scripture. So what I encourage you to do, you can actually download onto your hard drive a Bible study, a Bible app, and then you can cut and paste and create your own studies and things like that. So what I did is I just wrote down some various scriptures, and I'm just going to read it to you. And what I'd like you to do is just to relax, okay, the Super Bowl is not taking place yet, so you don't have to worry about that, you're not missing anything, Um, your phone should be off or vibrate, you're not going to miss any important message right now on your phone, so feel free to put your phone literally down, because you're not going to be able to follow along, but if that is you, if you're getting anxious about everything that's happening, if you're getting nervous, the best thing you can do is read your Bible, And maybe just take and go through a concordance, through your own mind, through words, and then correlate those words, put it in like Blue Letter Bible, you can do that, and all, you type in love in that little search box, and every verse in the Bible that has the word love in it comes up, and there's hundreds of them, and then you can cut and paste and create your own list. I just picked a few, obviously, there's thousands of verses, but I just wanted to read them to you. We get bad news all week long, Right? And so you can't avoid the bad news. This is reality. It is going to happen. But we have to also guard our minds and be very, very careful. So I encourage you just to relax. Uh, If you want, even close your eyes. Don't worry if you're a new visitor. We're not getting into new age and all that nonsense. But uh, for me, I know for me, I get easily distracted. And so if I'm listening and my eyes are open and somebody moves their head or whatever, I can easily get distracted. So here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God saw everything that he made, and it indeed was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. At the end of this time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. 
Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts in your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace." The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, 
have not forsaken those who seek you. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice, a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with mankind, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. 
And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, yielding each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And so those are just some verses that I cut and paste. And and I encourage you maybe to do the same thing. Come up with your own verses. And it could change from day to day, week to week. But if you're in that place of anxiety and worry and frustration and this, go to the word of God and let it wash your mind. Let it wash your soul. It will do a work. But I did want to do a little study before the study. In in verse 6 there of Revelation 22, it says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly, which must shortly take place. The word shortly there is takos in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar. You can figure this out yourself. But it is where we get our word tachometer from. Tachometer. It's a definition, and the definition is this, a brief space of time, a brief space of time, quickly or shortly. Jesus said when, Jerusalem, when Israel becomes a nation, that generation, that generation will not pass until he returns, until Jesus returns again for his bride, the church. 70 to 80 years, which I believe starts from 67 when Jerusalem became a part of Israel. But a tachometer is an instrument which measures the working speed of an engine, typically in revolutions per minute. Now, old school cars, you don't see this nowadays mostly, but there are still some. There is a red zone on the tachometer that warns a person that they are going to blow up the engine if they don't pull their foot off the gas, possibly blow up their engine. The higher the revolutions, the more likely that it's going to blow. So what does this mean for us scripturally? I believe it means that when the last days start or come into play, the evil that is going to increase very quickly and the judgment of God will take place very quickly as well. Now again, the church is never going to receive the wrath of God. So what I said earlier, if you're, you might have taken that out of context. I mean as a nation, when the nation gives up on Israel, when the nation gives up on the Bible, when the nation gives up on supporting missionaries, the nation has, not Bible-believing Christians, the nation, when that happens, the wrath of God is coming upon us, but not the church. That, that we never see the wrath of God. Matthew 24 says this, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible. Notice what Jesus, Jesus says. In the last days, in the last days, every dictatorship uses fear to gain control. Yes, I did use the word dictatorship. This is reality. Every dictatorship uses fear to gain control of the masses. Do not be deceived by that simple fact. 
Stay in your Bible. These things have to come to pass. Notice, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Jesus has warned us. In Mark 13, we read this. For in those days there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of creation, which God created. Notice, creation, God created, that's science, until this time. Nor ever shall be. When God flooded the earth in Noah's days, he said, I will never flood the earth again for destruction. But Jesus said, and fire represents judgment, there's going to come a fire on this earth that will dissolve this whole earth. Peter makes that perfectly clear. Everything that we know of in our sphere here is going to dissolve with a fervent heat, judgment. And unless the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. It is going to get so bad. Now again, in the tribulation, we believe in the tribulation period. We believe in the rapture. We believe the church is going to be taken out from God's wrath. In the first three and a half years, as you study the book of Revelation, over roughly half the world's population is annihilated. God sends 144,000 Billy Grahams, basically. 144,000 Jewish believers are going to be going around the world saying, repent, repent. God, throughout Revelation, and even in the second half of Revelation, sends an angel, angels from heaven. So my wife's been saying this for the last few months. Don't wait for the angels to show up, because you might not make it till then. But that's the wrath of God, not the wrath of man, the wrath of God. And so Jesus says, unless those days have been shortened, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And so it's important to realize that the days we're living in have been prophesied. They are going to be fulfilled. Guys, it grieves me. It immensely grieves me to see what is going on. Immensely. I've been storing for 40 years to enjoy a retirement, like some of you people in your 70s and 80s. I would love to see that. Love to see it. It grieves me immensely. But I'm way more excited about Jesus coming back. And the new buzzword, if you haven't learned it, learn it and start studying it because it's going to take over America, is equity. Equity, not equality. Don't confuse the two. Equality is not the same as equity. Do your own research. Do your own study. Because what I have been storing up is most likely going to be taken from me. Equity. Equity is the new buzzword that you're going to start seeing and hearing all over the place. It's all about conditioning, conditioning, conditioning. Fear, 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 control, control, control to get to the one world government, the one world religion, and the one world economy, Revelation chapter 13. Study your Bibles as we're going to do right now in Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, let's get to our study. We're living in very exciting days. Jesus is going to come back no matter who's in office. No party is going to stop him from coming back. So keep looking up, guys. Keep going over the word of God. We left off last week with seeing once again the favor of God upon the believer. Now that Paul has arrived in Rome, he was able to live in a comfortable house with one Roman guard at a time watching over him, probably rotating every six hours. The authorities were not at all concerned about this elderly man, whom we believe to be in his late 60s, early 70s at this point, trying to break out of prison. That's why they didn't put him in prison, they just put him in house arrest. 
So in our text this morning, we're going to see that Paul is going to attempt to show his fellow Jews that Jesus was the long-awaited-for Messiah, Hebrew, the Anointed One, Christ, Greek, the Anointed One, in New Testament. So let's pick it up in verse 17, Acts chapter 28. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So after everything that Paul's been through, he needed some rest. Nothing wrong with physical rest at all. Nothing wrong with spiritual rest. Maybe you need to rest from maybe the ministry you're in. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, What I would discourage you in is retiring. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement, no matter how old you are. God needs you. You're a member of the body of Christ. You have a spiritual gift that you should be using. And here we see that Paul is using his spiritual, going to continue to use a spiritual gift. So when they had come to him, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers. When Paul went out to propagate the gospel, he didn't attack Judaism. He didn't try to get people to come out of Judaism. You know, as a a Roman Catholic, I was born and raised a Roman Catholic. People would come to us every now and then, and they would try to talk to us to come out of Roman Catholicism. That's the harlot. And as soon as they started talking like that, walls immediately went up. Immediately. It's like, man, you're a hateful person. You hate Catholics. Immediately, they went up. So as you're going out or people knock on your door, be careful how you approach them. You want to approach with love, grace, and mercy. And that's what, Joe, that's what Paul always did. He would find the Jews who had the word of God. And he would explain the word of God, and then they would reject it. But Paul didn't try to push them away. He tried to draw them in. So it's very important that we realize that. Paul wasn't doing that, and nor should we. So in other words, you don't need to study Mormonism for the next 10 years to learn how to talk against Joseph Smith. When the Mormons come, they have the King James Version in their backpack. Just ask them for their Bible. Once you've got it, they're yours. And then you can start going through the scriptures with them. They can't get away. It's their Bible. Can I have my Bible back? I'm not done yet. Here's Romans 3.23, here's Ephesians 2.8 and 9, here's Romans 6.23, here's Romans chapter 10. And you just, God, Jesus is God. Oh, oh, you want, Jesus is God. Yeah, you go over some scriptures. Now, here's your Bible. You know, God loves you, okay? As soon as you attack Joseph Smith, walls are up, party's over. Yet I was delivered from a, as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go. They found no fault, just like Jesus. They found no fault in him because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, no, you're not releasing him. No, no, no. I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Paul was a natural-born Roman citizen. He had special privileges, and one of those privileges was you could appeal to Caesar. You would have an audience with Caesar. You're falsely accused. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. Again, notice he wasn't going around bashing the Jews or Judaism. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. What is, was and is the hope of Israel? Even to this day, there are people around the world, Jews around the world that are looking for the Messiah. The first Messiah. They're not looking for Jesus. Oh, that's, that's you Gentiles, Messiah. That's not our Messiah. That's false. That's a lie. They're still looking for the first Messiah. So Paul makes a point here 
that, that I'm not going, I'm, I'm just going to teach the word of God. The hope for me is the resurrection, the Messiah. Jesus was the anointed one. I'm going to take you to the scriptures. I'm going to show to you that Jesus is the Messiah. Then they said to him, we, have, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. Notice that. But we desire. Now, we do regular Bible studies here, and most of you are very familiar with us. Many of you have endured for years. It's amazing you keep coming back. But you might be new And so what we do is we try to take everything back to the Bible systematically and keep quoting the scriptures and try to put it together from Genesis to Revelation, not just hand-picking verses that we feel will fit our system. But no, we want to become people of the word of God. And so it's very important as we do that that we cover all the scriptures. But notice we, we desire. So I have a question for you, maybe new person, or maybe you've been coming here for a while. Do you have a desire for the word? Or are you just coming out of Christian obligation? Well, Sunday's when we go to church. I've been doing it for 40 decades. 40 decades. Four decades. <laughs> Five decades. Six decades. My parents took me to church. My grandparents took me to church. My wife drags me to church. I got to come to church. No, you don't. You don't. It's not going to save you. You can punch the clock all you want. It's not going to save you. You need to acknowledge you're a sinner in need of a savior and ask Jesus to become your savior. And then you'll want to be in church. You'll want to be a part of the flock. You'll want to be here because you're going to find strength in numbers. And that's what we need. So notice these people here, they say, but we desire to hear from you what you think concerning this sect. We know that it is spoken against everywhere. Now, if Paul was such a bad person, you would think that those in Jerusalem would have sent the word to Rome before he'd even gotten there. But they hadn't, and even those who had come to Rome did not speak evil of Paul. But the Jews of Rome had heard about this sect called Christianity, and so they wanted to hear more about it directly from Paul. Now, Paul's been sharing the scriptures for at least two decades now, over 20 plus years, and he was a Jew. So they're like, well, you, you obviously know what's going on. We want to hear about this thing called Christianity. So what do we see Paul doing after some days of rest? He made himself available. We've been talking about this the last two weeks. Guys, we need to make ourselves available. The world is imploding. I don't like it. You don't like it. But it's imploding We are going down. People need to hear there's hope. And what is that hope? You have that hope. In a particular party? Forget that nonsense. In God, in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. You have that hope. You see, if we desire to be used by God, we need to be available when he needs us. Please think about the rest of this slide. Not just when we think we're available. Well, God, you know, I got an easy day today, so I guess you can use me. Since I'm going about my day, feel free to interrupt me. I mean, he'll use you, praise God. But that shouldn't be our mindset. 
But even at times, I have to confess, that's my mindset. I, I got my schedule. I got it down. And I have to tell myself, hey, you know what? You're just a vessel. Let God interrupt you. Let God interrupt you. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'm going to say, you know, our availability is often questionable. Our availability is often questionable. How do I know that? Because we still use a multitude of, of excuses to justify our unavailability. Well, I'm just too busy. Hmm. First Peter chapter 3. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Notice this. In our culture where evil is being promoted, abortion, trans, homosexuality, adultery, gambling, drugs, alcohol. This is all being promoted, sex trafficking. You might not like to hear this, but this is reality. Kidnapping children is a part of our society. It takes place. Every Super Bowl, every Super Bowl that comes around, wherever it's being held, there's a rest of pedophiles that take place because they will purposely go to where the Super Bowl's at because they know they can get a child to fulfill their fantasies in America. Sad reality, but we've got to deal with reality. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Guys, as a Christian, if you truly believe in the Bible and you stand up that marriage is one, between one genetic male and one genetic female, you are going to be threatened. If you're on social media, you will be threatened. If you have a Twitter account, you're most likely going to be locked out of it and it could be permanently. Why? Fear and control. We're going to make you afraid to stand up for what you believe because if you stand up and say what you believe, we're going to control your life. We're going to lock your life. <gasps> Don't lock me out of Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Who cares? Do you care that much about social media more than the word of God? If you do, you're not going to stand when it comes down. I'm not saying you're losing your salvation because we don't believe in that. But you're not going to be able to stand. We have to take a stand now, every single day. For our children, for our grandchildren, somebody's got to take a stand. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, meekness is not weakness. Christians are not to be doormats and we let people run over us and rub their feet on us as they go over us. That's not implied anywhere in the scriptures. Meekness is strength and humility. Strength and humility. Being humble enough to go to someone and say, hey, I love you enough to tell you no, that's not acceptable. Well, I might lose my family members. I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's hard to do, guys. It's very hard to do. But sanctify. What does the word sanctify mean? It means to set apart. So what is Peter encouraging you and me to do in our lives today in 21? Set 
God a part in your life. Be responsible. I got lots of responsibilities, probably more than most of you. So I'm not saying anything about neglecting responsibilities at all. But the Bible has to be number one in your life. God has to be number one in your life. If not, you are going to fall to this culture. You're going to cave to this culture. You're going to give in to this culture. Because there's a lot of pressure coming upon all of us. Verse 16, having a good conscience, so do I hate gays? No, no. Do I hate trans people? No. Am I encouraging you to hate them? No, not at all. For God so loved the world as we approach 8 billion people, every single person God loves and we're called to love them as well. That doesn't mean we accept the lifestyle though. That doesn't mean it goes against the Bible. We just smile and go, oh yeah, yeah, I love you still. Yeah, yeah, everything's okay. No, 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 no. We have to have a good conscience that when they defame you as an evildoer, which is happening against Christianity today, and probably by the end of the year, teaching the Bible the way I teach, it will be considered hate speech, most likely by the end of this year. Don't let that shock you. It already is in Canada and Europe. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God, notice this, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Back in Acts chapter 28, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of our constitution. I need to say this on a regular basis because this is unfortunately creeped into the church where we elevate the constitution. Well, what about my first amendment? What about my second amendment? I don't know. What about it? You're a slave of Christ, according to the word of God. What rights do you have? Take your two fingers and put them together. Zilch. You're to follow your master, not the Constitution. Not, not anybody else that comes to you and says otherwise. Don't elevate your wife, your mate, your children, your grandchildren above the Word of God. That's out of order. You lift up the Word of God. And so Paul is saying, testified of the kingdom of God. Not, his, not Paul's kingdom, the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And when some were persuaded, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. You see, if we studied Paul's life in Acts, hasn't this been typical? He reaches out to his fellow Jews, and some of them would believe and others would not. But notice once again that Paul spoke to those who had the scriptures out of the law and the prophets. He wanted them to come to an understanding of this new sect called Christianity. And so the question has to be, what's the best way to do that? Take them back to their own scriptures and explain the scriptures to them. Again, Mormons are knocking on your door. In the last two or three years, they've been now trained to say, oh, we are Christians too. They would never say that. Now, they flipped it. Oh, we're Christians too. And you need to be able to say, no, you're not. Christian is a Christ follower. Jesus is the Christ. Christ means the anointed one. He's the only begotten son of God. He is not a spirit brother of Lucifer. So no, you are not a Christian. 
You obviously say it in love. You're not bashing them, harassing them. You're speaking to them lovingly, maturity, that your religion is wrong. You're not a Christian. And I'm not going to let you get away with saying that. And you shouldn't. I shouldn't. Christians are going to become the focus of many who hate God and his ways. And we can hide in fear. Or we can take it as bold lions, speaking the truth in love. You see, the world doesn't want to hear from us. It's called the cancel culture. This is totally new for most people. Just been the last few years. But they're going to shout you down. They're going to shut you down. They're going to force you out. They're going to do whatever it takes. And if you don't think this won't happen to you, it happened to our president. My goodness, a multi-billionaire. It can happen to anybody, and it is happening to people that got a lot of money. So don't think, well, I got a lot of money. I'll get around it. Money is not going to get you out of it. So we need to take the opportunity when given the chance. When somebody asks you, why is this happening? Like, I don't know if this happened to you, but in the last year, many people, some even unbelievers, have said, are we in the tribulation? Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Can you answer them? I mean, if you know the word of God, inside you're just going, man, not at all. What are you thinking? But they don't know the word of God. So how could they think about the word of God? So we have to lovingly say, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, the mark of the beast comes halfway through the tribulation. Revelation. It comes halfway through the tribulation. Are we in the tribulation? Let's talk about that. The first half, the first three and a half years of the great tribulation, all seven years of the great tribulation, by the way, not just the last three and a half. How do you know that? Well, chronologically, in the first three and a half years of the great tribulation, half the world is annihilated. Half. So if the rapture happens, which you know it is going to happen, and that's just for me, easy math, two billion saints go, which that's way overemphasized, but two billion, that leaves six billion people That means in the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, three billion people are going to die. Three billion, not three million. Not 16 per day per state. Three billion people are going to die in the first three and a half years. So are we in the Tribulation? Uh, No. No. So you have to take them to the Word so you can clarify that in their own minds to remove what? The fear. They're afraid. So if we just look at them and go, geez, I don't know. I hope not. Oh, that helped me a lot, didn't it? (laughs) Thanks. Where do you go to church? I don't want to go there. It's like, man, what do you go to church for? 25 through 27. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Why? For the hearts of this people have grown dull. If you're here this morning and somebody dragged you, or you came on your own to check it out, I want to encourage you, be very, very careful about your own heart. Your own heart. You could be coming dull to the things of God and God is reaching out to you. Even right now, I've already told you, God loves you. God sent his son to die for you. God sends no one to hell. No one to hell. 
But if you sit there, you're stubborn, you're hard-hearted, you say, I don't need your God, I don't need your Bible, I don't need Jesus, hey, that's fine. It's on your head, not mine. And when you stand before God, you will have no excuse because he'll show you how many times people told you, how many times people encouraged you, and you said no. And he'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You choose to go to hell. God doesn't send you there. So be very, very careful. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their ears and hear with their see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. So this is a reference to Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And it's interesting that the Lord used these verses during his earthly ministry when he spoke to his disciples of him using parables to the people. The Apostle John referenced these same verses just a few days before our Lord's crucifixion. And we see that Paul had already quoted them in his letter to the Romans, which he wrote a few years prior to this meeting. You see, the point in all of these references is that the people heard, but they didn't listen. And there's a big difference between the two. Right, marital couples? When your mate says, did you hear me? And you go, yes, I heard you. And you shut your mouth and you go, but I really don't care what you said. There's a big difference between hearing and listening. You see, listening effectively takes an open mind that is maybe not receptive, but at least willing to hear what the other person is saying. Let's say that again. Listening effectively takes an open mind that is maybe not receptive. Okay, okay, I'll listen to you. I really don't want to, but I want to hear what you have to say. Maybe some good will come out of it. Maybe I can learn something. Maybe you can learn something. Maybe we can continue this argument. But at least willing to hear what the other person is saying. You see, these people heard Paul but were not open to his interpretation of the scriptures, which was not Paul's, but the Holy Spirit's interpretation. But Paul at least tried to reach his fellow Jews first, which again was his common practice. When they didn't want to listen, then he turned to the Gentiles. And Paul uses his previous years, over 20 years of experiences in dealing with the Gentiles to let the Jews know that the Gentiles would be receptive. That's fine. You don't want to hear it? that's fine, I'll, I'll go to somebody else. You didn't hurt me, I'm gonna keep moving on. And I would encourage anyone here this morning, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, to re- be receptive of his love today. Why? As we wrap it up, your heart might just, might just become hardened, just like some of these Jewish people here. And unfortunately, I don't know, I'm not God, so I'm not gonna make a blanket statement, But unfortunately, I would assume that some of these people ended up in hell because they did not listen to God's love, grace, and mercy presented to them by Paul. And it might be you this morning as well. So again, I'm going to pray, and don't zip up your Bibles. Don't check out all you saints. We're in spiritual warfare time. This is where we need the spirit, you saints, to be praying in the spirit 
for maybe one person that might be here this morning that does not know Jesus as their Savior. They need him. They need, this is their eternal destiny. I'm not saying you're going to die today and you'll never get another opportunity. I'm just saying today is the day of salvation. Don't keep putting it off. And if that is you, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's not about the prayer. It's about you. And if you're willing to admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, God will receive you and you will become his son, you will become his daughter. But it's free will. If you stiff arm him, he still loves you. He still loves you. His love doesn't change. But I'd be very careful for no one knows the day of the hour of our passing. So as the saints are praying, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you would like to admit to him, to God, that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, most of us in this room, just to reassure you, those of you who might be thinking about this, most of us in this room have done this. You now have a free will decision to accept or reject. So if you would like to accept Jesus as your Savior, just in the privacy of your own heart, just repeat this prayer after me. Again, it's not the prayer. Don't get hung up on the messenger. It's your heart. Just pray, God, I have to acknowledge I am a sinner. I know that. I've done plenty of bad things and unfortunately I still do them. So yes, I'm a sinner. Which means I need a savior. So God, I turn, I repent, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I invite Jesus into my heart, into my mind right now. I invite your Holy Spirit to come into my life to seal me. I don't know what this all means, but I trust you're going to show me. So I say thank you. Thank you that I am now your son, I am now your daughter, and God, I can now call you Father, my Father, Abba, Daddy, and that you will never lose me, you will never forsake me, you will never abandon me, you will never throw me away, you will hold me, And God, I say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And we come to you, Lord, as saints. Oh, there's so many stresses being placed upon us in so many areas. The media is trying to control and and bring all this negativity and fear into our lives. Father, give us strength to go to your word and And you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we might have a sound mind. So help us to focus on your word and to know that these things must take place before your son's return. To help us just to keep looking up, to be responsible, to to plant, to water, to fertilize. And if, Lord, if it's your will, we would love to pray with someone to receive Jesus this week. 
So Lord, help us to be available for you and for those divine appointments. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? Thanks for coming out, guys. God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.